This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Well, hello again, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint podcast series. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm head of content and research. And my guest today is Norbert Majerus. Uh, he's retired now, but for many years, he was a lean champion and a master black belt of Six Sigma with the Goodyear Tire Company. Um, before I had a podcast many years ago, I, I had the good fortune to work with him on a couple of little projects. And I even interviewed him once uh, again before a podcast. We, we wrote it out as a transcript, which was a silly thing to do. We should have been recording it. <laughs> but uh, I'm so glad to have him uh, on the podcast. Norbert, thank you so much for your time today. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks for inviting me again. <laughs> so I do want to talk about uh, your first book. And uh, to give people a little bit of context, um, in 2005, you know, Goodyear was looking at its lineup of products and they weren't arriving on time and they started looking at the data and they said, uh, you know, we've made a mistake here and Norbert was working for them at the time and he was more in the Six Sigma side than in the lean side, but using some tools, uh, he, he came up with a way that R&D could start bringing products to market when the market actually wanted them. And uh, I think I've got the details written down here. You know, Goodyear saw its product development cycle times reduced by 70% on-time delivery performance uh, rise close to 100% and uh, throughput improved threefold. And they did all of this while achieving no increase in the R&D budget. And uh, mm -hmm. around the time Norbert was retiring, he actually broke his leg and he decided to <laughs> write all this out as a book. It's a fantastic story. And uh, you know, before we talk about anything else, I would love to revisit this project a little bit with you, Norbert. Yeah, yeah I think you forgot something there. We also... Um, uh, uh, after we implemented lean, uh, it wasn't only lean, it was uh, what I today call uh, innovation excellence, really. It, it, uh, project management was a big piece of it too. And um, uh, before all of this, uh, Goodyear was lucky when uh, half all the, of the, all the new uh, products made money. And that's actually uh, a common trend in industry and in innovation. Uh, um, uh, and uh, we brought it to the point where absolutely 100% of all new products uh, made money. And at Goodyear, there was between 1,500 and 2,000 of new products every year globally. So that this was not a small thing. And uh, that, uh, for me, was uh, is one of the bigger things. We actually uh, took it all the way to the top and the bottom line and showed the results there. So the book is called Lean Driven Innovation. And I remember one of the, the, the prime theses of it is that product development starts from the very beginning. It's not yeah. improving in yeah. the middle of the manufacturing process. It's, <laughs> is, are you designing the thing so that it's going to work yeah. out at the end? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, the, um, uh, that is something, uh, you know, most organizations in the United States are organized functionally. You have your uh, R&D silo, you have your manufacturing silo, you have your uh, supply chain and, and so on. And uh, the one uh, finishes the project and gives it to the next and gives it to the next. And uh, for us, that was uh, when we gave it to manufacturing, uh, it came back uh, a few months later and we had to redesign it. And so the question was, why don't we we design this together. And then uh, today, for example, uh, one thing that absolutely comes to my mind today, why don't we design for the supply chain? That's the biggest bottleneck today. And you are wondering, a lot of these supply chain problems that we have today could have been fixed in the design phase. When 
when the product isn't even designed yet. Uh, so many of us went with the minimum uh, number of suppliers and so on, and there were good reasons for that. But now today we wish we had done it a little bit differently. And there are many, many other issues. And uh, and I believe that a good designer should, even, should has to work with the marketing people, has to work with the manufacturing people, has to work with the supply chain and so on, even the finance. And, and legal has to be in, engaged from the very beginning. You are much faster, you're much more efficient. You see, everybody did their own thing in their own circle. And then we tried to overlap these circles. And then we had to compromise to overlap them. All those compromises could have been involved, uh, avoided at the beginning where if we had worked together and developed this product together. So uh, it hits the market uh, and it's right. It's right for manufacturing, it's right for the supply chain, it's right for marketing, it's right for everybody. And uh, that was a big learning, of course. Yeah. And I know, you know, throughout the book and also just in, in what you're doing now, a huge part of what you want to tell people is that it does come down to communication, collaboration and coordination yeah. among people. Nothing gets done unless the people are working together across yeah. silos, sharing, hey, this is my expertise, yeah. but like, where I have trouble is X and someone on the other side of the fence is saying, oh, I, I never even knew that was your concern. I love right. that part of the book as well. That's right. And uh, it's all about the people and um, uh, another uh, late learning in my career, um, how important it is to, uh, and how difficult it is to get the people uh, work together, to get that alignment, to get, create that respect and everything. That uh, was a big, a big, big learning that I had in my career. Well, I remember, uh, and again, from the book, sort of your, your your beginning, your starting point, and I shouldn't say the starting point of the book, obviously it takes you a long time to get there, but a master black belt in Six Sigma is very data-driven and, and very oh. <laughs> understanding the story through numbers. And so when you're bringing in some of these, you know, outside consultants, they're teaching you some of the other methodology. It's not Absolutely. just a story of numbers, yep. it's a story of people. Yep. Could you speak to that? Yeah, I think I became a an engineer because I didn't like to work with people. And uh, I was so happy on my computer doing uh, exactly what you just described. I was a master black belt and I loved it. I really loved it. I had data. Uh, my computer was packed with data, okay? And I was very successful at it, by the way. I love to do that kind of work. Just leave me alone and uh, for, for enough time that I can perfect this. And um, uh, I took the same approach, kind of the same approach uh, when I started uh, developing a new lean uh, innovation uh, initiative. And I learned uh, through the initiative, hey, this is not going to work. I, we need to engage all the people. And that was something that was not only new to me, but to a lot of, uh, of other people in my company at that time, uh, the level at which the, that engagement has to happen. Uh, people just weren't used to that. They were used to the functional um, uh, work and there's uh, still a lot of um, uh, run it up the ladder to get a decision and so on. And um, uh, to be quite honest, I wish I had learned all this stuff earlier in my career. When I was a young person starting my career, I would have had a totally different career. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, at the end of my career, I, uh, I'm a, a people expert now, but at least I'm comfortable at stuff that I wasn't comfortable through uh, 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 two thirds of my career. And I think there's something to be said for there's always time for another chapter, as you say, that was sort of towards the end of your career. And look at all this cool stuff you learned at the end. 
There we go. And maybe uh, that's why I wrote a second book. <laughs> well, so I do want to pivot to that. Let me let me you know leave this portion of the interview by saying uh, to listeners, Lean Driven Innovation by Norbert Majerus. I believe it came out in 2015 or 2016. 2016 yes, it's yes. still a very well thought of book in the space. Uh, it's using the real example of the Goodyear Tire Company. Um, I, I thought it was fantastic. And I so enjoyed speaking with Norbert about it at the time. That said, he and I have reconnected after, I guess it's been about six years now. Oh, yeah. um, I, I have always subscribed to, even in retirement, he's got side projects and things that he's involved in. And I got an email saying, Norbert put out another book. And I immediately thought, oh my goodness, is it a, a sequel to Lean Driven <laughs> Innovation? Sort of. And I love this. And I, I will tee it up and then let you do a little talking, of course. I, sorry, I tend to hog the microphone. But um, it is uh, called Winning Innovation. And it's a work of fiction. And I would love, before we get too far into what it's actually about, could you speak why you made the decision to tell a business story through fiction? Yeah, that's very easy to, uh, to tell uh, or to answer. When I do workshops, um, uh, I, I always get, I, I, at the end of every workshop, I do an, uh, a retrospective. I, I, I get feedback. And the, the number one uh, good feedback that I always get every time, has never failed, is for my stories and my examples, okay? So I'm thinking to myself, well, uh, when I wrote the, the, the Goodyear book, there's some stories in there, but uh, okay, there's only so much uh, you can do uh, uh, from, from that project. But I uh, had uh, a lot of uh, other stories since. And uh, so I was thinking, can I get the message across just by telling a story? And um, uh, I talked to a few people and uh, I didn't think I could do it, to be quite honest. Uh, so the plan was to supplement the story then with uh, spreadsheets. <laughs> no, actually, and, uh, and other engineering thinking, we need to digest this and the people have to discuss has to get in a table and summarize. But then I figured, uh, hey, uh, the story alone, this has to stand by the story alone. And uh, that's what I ended up doing. It stands by the story alone. Story, the stories tell the principles, how they are used, and uh, uh, they are examples at the same time. And I believe I, uh, I was able to get everything in there. I found a story for everything that I wanted to, uh, to communicate. So. So before we go too much further, I, I think, you know, any answer that has the word story in it six or seven times, we should actually tell people what is the premise of the book? Well, I uh, had to come up with, uh, to be quite honest, virtually every, uh, uh, everything in the book has happened someplace, sometime uh, uh, has, and I was part of most of it. And in fact, there are two characters in the book. That's me. Uh, that's me during my career, okay? And um, the, uh, I picked, uh, I, I'm a big uh, cyclist, so I picked uh, bicycling um, uh, as, a, as a subject and the story is about an Italian bicycle company. They make the best bicycle in the world. They are the Ferrari of the bicycle world. They win all the bike races, uh, not all of them, but most of them, and uh, they just got it made. But uh, the the cost of winning goes up. Uh, it, it, they don't win so easily anymore. Competition has caught up. And uh, 
uh, that all that additional money and um, that they have to spend, the revenues are going down. And uh, the owner of the company, uh, he's the second generation, uh, actually his dad, who was a pro racer in the 50s, 60s, had founded the company with the money that he had made. And he's thinking, man, my retirement gets worse every day because uh, one of these days I have to live uh, off the value of this company and it's just going down. So what can I do? And then um, uh, with the help of a, of a friend of his, he discovers innovation excellence, what I call innovation excellence. And the good thing is it could be done fast. He had two years left before he wanted to retire and he did get it done in those two years. But it was a complete change of, uh, of everybody. And at the beginning, of course, everybody thinks this is all about the processes and, uh, and so on. But then they realize it's not. This is about, this change is about the people. The whole company, everybody working there has to change. And it has to start at the top, by the way. The owner himself uh, realized, hey, I'm the first one who has to show the example here and so on. And uh, to make a long story short, yes, the, the, it, the, it has a happy end. And um, at the end, the value, uh, of course, uh, he's able to, to retire. He got uh, that goal accomplished. But also um, at the beginning of the book, uh, me again, uh, the very creative engineer, I have over 60 patents uh, uh, and, and only counting the American ones. But um, I always got laughed at when I had a new idea and, um, and okay, go, don't you have anything better to do? And uh, that's a young engineer like me uh, had this great invention at the beginning of the book. It wasn't such a great invention to be quite honest, but it, what, it's not important what a great invention it was when he thought about it. What is important is what it was, what it morphed into. Uh, when it, uh, these ideas don't stand alone in a company. They, they get um, uh, connected with, um, uh, with uh, other stuff, uh, technologies, whatever that is already in the company. And at the end, it became the missing link to a major breakthrough in electrical bicycles. So um, uh, that is typical with innovation and is uh, not very well known and uh, they don't judge anything by what it looks today. Uh, look at the potential it could have. So, and by the way, there's a love story in the in the uh, in the in the in the book too. That um, uh, that uh, that's important, but I don't want to comment any further on that. <laughs> so, I have two first thoughts. Um, you know, my first one is. I think there are people who will read this book as a work of fiction because they enjoy fiction who would yeah. never pick up a dry, you know, this is the <laughs> business story, you know, the yeah. top selling business book. They would read it because it's an interesting story. And then on the other hand, I think of all the people who do read, you know, business books as part of getting better in their job. And, and I've actually spoken over the years with people, uh, especially in the lean manufacturing culture, they have book clubs. And what a oh, breath yeah. of fresh air this would be for them to go over some of these tried, tested, and true things, but it's actually told in a book with a love story, for goodness sake. So yeah, there you congratulations go. for hitting you know, both of those markets so well. Well, the uh, the other thing that uh, that I'm, I was able to put in a uh, in a story is the emotions. Yes, that that is virtually impossible to put those in a textbook. Okay, but in this case, I was able to uh, to bring those out because you cannot 
um, you have to uh, realize that there are emotions when you do a change. You, you, you change people, okay? You you know uh, you change companies by changing the people who work in the company, and um, that is an emotional uh, uh, thing, whether you like it or not. And uh, uh, this way, I was able to uh, to capture some of these emotions, and uh, they made a better story to start with. But I think on the other side, they're very important for change leaders to uh, to understand and, uh, and deal with. And, uh... So as you're giving the sort of synopsis of the story, a thing that I found very interesting, and I, I think more writers of you know, business fiction, if we can call that a genre, should think about. When I think of uh, business stories told in fiction, a lot of the time the businessmen are villains. They're, 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 and that's not true. When I think of, you know, my working life and the working life of a lot of people that I know, we care very deeply about what we're doing. We're trying to do right, you know, and, and the idea that you can tell a story set in a business context that doesn't have a villain, I think is really refreshing. Well, okay. Uh, let me be honest uh, with you. Um, uh, uh, real companies and real lives, I wouldn't call them villains, but <laughs> I would call them, um, you may have a challenge with people uh, that are kind of difficult. Okay, so uh, that is a fact. And uh, I try to bring that out to some to some extent. But I say in the introduction of the of the book, um, I used to teach a lot of soccer, I coach a lot of soccer. And I never taught the kids how to break a leg. Okay. And I never taught them how to get injured or how to lose games. I always taught them the positive things. Uh, and things happen, okay? People, the kids did break a leg, kids did pull a tendon and, and so on. That happens. I, I teach them in a safe way to, to make, to avoid it as much as I can, but I did not uh, teach them how to do that. So I don't teach people in this book how to fail, okay? And uh, I want to, uh, I, I want to, this thing to be positive. I show the challenges as good as I can. But uh, by the way, the what would you would call villains uh, in, uh, in in other stories, uh, they change and they become heroes in my book. So uh, yes. at least and, at least no, most of them. Not all. That's, that's a fair clarification. It would be a very dull book if there was no conflict. You know, yeah, both oh, people yeah, can yeah. be right and in conflict. And yes. through the course of the book, they go through an arc. Of course they do. Yes, and there's plenty of there's plenty of conflict there. That is real life. You have to have that. Yeah. Of course. Now you did speak to what you hope people take from it, and and I want to get that because you know if we were talking about your first book, Lean Driven Innovation, I think it has a very clear message of you know how you can improve your business is taking some some lessons learned from Goodyear's example. Fiction, even though it's telling a business story, you know there is opportunity there where people might get a little confused as to what their takeaway should be. What do you hope business yeah. readers looking at this novel will take away from the story? Um, I think business readers who have been uh, in the in the business, uh, they, you don't have to have been there a long time, but uh, I think they will get it. They will get the challenge. They will realize this is not, uh, this is a fiction company, but I bet that every business uh, uh, executive finds themselves in this story, at mm. least at some place uh, in some uh, some time. I'm pretty sure about that. And it's the thing about um, finding themselves really in there and um, uh, to me makes a big difference. They, they, they will realize, hey, this could, this is me, okay? And now I'm curious what happened here. And the same, it's, 
the, the same ending will not happen to them, by the way. Uh, but it's uh, learning uh, what uh, uh, what was the important thing here uh, and what made this uh, the, uh, happen, what made this successful. And then the, how can I now use this uh, with the nuances needed in my own work, in my own company to be successful uh, just as well. So uh, I was a little um, always in, in um, uh, something that I found uh, was a little strange with lean. Everybody tries to copy Toyota, but uh, then they realize many years later, hey, we, we weren't Toyota after all. We didn't make cars and we didn't have the culture and so on. And I think what I got out of all these books about Toyota is how they they did it, understand the principles, understand what made it work. And then I would keep the good things that uh, that we were already doing, and I wouldn't change those. But I would use that thinking to improve where we really had the big gaps to get to the market and the business success that they ended up getting to. And, I, and that is an, uh, an, uh, big, uh, a big and a very important point that I want to make in this book. You know, I've already been chatting with you for a while. I do have one more sort of just question for my own interest, if I may. How did you find the experience of writing these two books? I mean, so, I mean, obviously with the one, it was literally a skiing accident prompted you. You had some free time. This is something that you've done in your retirement. I, I, I hope you didn't have to break a leg to start the project. <laughs> what was it like, the difference between writing fiction, nonfiction, but you're still trying to tell those business stories? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, the, the COVID came and uh, there was a big uh, a break in COVID, for example. I haven't traveled at all in, uh, in several years. Well, a little bit, but, but not very much. And uh, so uh, I had a lot of uh, time on my hands. Uh, my uh, very few people needed consultants during COVID or very little travel. Uh, so I did, I had uh, plenty of time to start with. But the other point is, I couldn't believe how much fun it is to write the story like that. And uh, it it wasn't even that difficult, to be quite honest. It uh, and most of it came. I'm out there on my bike uh, for a few hours, and uh, oh man, I get a new story. <laughs> and then I came home and immediately sat down and um, and uh, typed it in. And it changed a few times. And I also had a uh, have a co-author who helped me a lot with that, George Tanenes. Uh, I have to give him a lot of credit uh, for bringing some of these stories to life. I mean, I had uh, the, them uh, in, in my head, but uh, they didn't go on the paper as easily. And uh, I have to give George a lot of credit for helping me with that. No, cer certainly. And I, I appreciate you doing that. I was actually going to mention there's a, there's a whiff on there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so how did, you, how did you find George? Well, uh, actually, George already helped me with my first book, and oh, um, okay, uh, and uh, he uh, he lives close by here in in Ohio, and um, he helped me a lot with my first book. He he taught me how to write, by the way, <laughs> and uh, and then also, of course, he did a lot of. Uh, he was the editor behind the scenes, and uh, and then in this case, I just uh, knew that uh, I needed. Um, I needed help. Uh, I could uh, paint a rough picture, but I needed help with the, uh, bringing these things to life. And that's where George did a fantastic job. That's his uh, forte. He uh, knows well, he knows a little bit about lean by uh, by now, but and and so on. But 
he did not know that much about innovation and and, and cycling and so on. And uh, but he all had the good ideas about the Italian food. That's there, uh, that's mainly. <laughs> that's well, there's mainly a real partnership. <laughs> and uh, and I mean, we were talking at the beginning of the podcast that idea of you know it's it's people collaborating uh, about what they're good at, and it sounds like you go. found a real partner. There we go. Absolutely. Right, so uh, I guess I'll I'll end by asking you know you've done one book in nonfiction uh now you've got this work of fiction uh what are the chances we'll get another book out of you one day well i uh i actually have um, uh, another book in my head uh, and um it it i have tried to write it uh, i i will most likely not write it as a uh, as a textbook with bullet lists okay uh, i uh, have tried several uh, ways of um, of uh, doing something similar, it's hard to put it in one story. And I may have to combine a, a few stories, but it will definitely be something very similar again, uh, because I believe that uh, uh, that uh, uh, readers are intelligent and readers uh, like the challenge and they like to read a good story and then like to be challenged to think about that story. So what did that story tell me now? And how? what did I learn? Can I learn from this story? And how can I use the essence of this in my personal life at my work every day. So I believe readers like that. And I'm trying to get that material somewhat, uh, somehow in the same form, but I'm not there yet. So no, no but I'll tell you this, when you get there, <laughs> let's make sure we have a conversation about that one as well. huh? Absolutely. So let, let me summarize for readers just so that they've got the titles at the end. Uh, so we've been speaking with Norbert Majerus. Uh, his first book, the nonfiction one, is called Lean Driven Innovation. And the uh, work of fiction that we've been talking about is Winning Innovation. And I'm pretty sure they can find that just about everywhere. I mean, certainly oh, yeah. Amazon, but you know, it's it's yep. a well-published, well-regarded book. And it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today, And to Norbert. be picked a good day oh. because today the book will ship from the print. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize I'd gotten a hold of you that early. That's great. Yeah, I just looked at my budget. I saw the date. <laughs> Norbert, this has been so much fun reconnecting with you. Oh, very. thank you very much. Uh, pleasure was all mine. You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast Series. I've been Jeff Mix. Let's do it again soon. Mm -hmm.